Welcome to Leadership Revealed, where John Paul shares his no-nonsense approach to all things leadership and scaling businesses. John interviews some of the most successful people in their industries to see what it takes to become a great leader. Be prepared for the truth about leadership and business. Please welcome your host, serial entrepreneur and top-selling author, John Paul. Hi guys and welcome to another edition of Leadership Revealed. And I'm pleased to announce that I'm actually sat here with a, a very good friend of mine. Um, most of you won't have a clue who he is because he's not really involved, well, he's not involved in the agency space in any way, shape or form. Um, he's just starting to get into property uh, management, if you like, and pro- investing for his own portfolio. Um, but this guy, I've known Dave for probably about 20 years now. He had a very, very successful training company. He had a very successful and still does have a successful recruitment company. Um, and unfortunately, the training company um, went bust. And what I thought is that we'd have a chat today with Dave. We'd get his story, his his journey, if you like. Um, but also, I think it's very appropriate because um, of the depression that Dave went into after. And Dave's quite very candid about this and very open. And so we have to thank him for that. And Dave's going to give us a bit of an idea um, how he got himself out of it, because I think in our industry, we all see the glitz, we see the glamour, we see the good things, but we don't actually see the the dark side of it, the mental struggles and the anguish that we, we might go through. So I just want to welcome you, Dave, to the podcast. Thank you very much. Um, and just, if you can give us just a, I mean, first of all, we've known each other for about 20, 22 we years. Have. Yes, we have. Yeah, yeah so no stories they can go out on <laughs> here. leave them off. Yeah, good. So can you just give us a bit of an idea about uh, when you started, background about the business, how you got involved in it, and then just, uh, you know, where you are today? Yeah, yeah. I think probably for me, where I started is I've always had a, a passion for business. I've always wanted to have my own business, whether, but I just didn't know what I wanted to do. And mm-hmm. for years, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I kind of fell into training and education. Whilst I was at university, so I was at university, uh, I was a taxi driver and a qualification came out for taxi drivers at the time and the training business that uh, came out and delivered this qualification whilst I was there um, just got chatting more, got to know more about what the train industry was and then in the end turned into becoming an assessor and, and delivering education myself. Went through various qualifications, become a qualified teacher and kind of worked my way up in that business left that business, went to another business and kind of cut my teeth again and and, and, and built a kind of my own caseload of, of, of work within that business. And then it was a chance meeting with a, an old colleague of mine who'd done very well, had mm. his own business. And I just said, look, why, why have you never done a training business yourself? He was always the go-between guy and the, the kind of a broker, if you like. And I just said, why have you never become a training business? He went, he didn't have the knowledge. I said, well, I do. Let's start this journey mm. and and... and we went on that journey together, really. So it's always a chance meeting, is it? That's when the best yeah, businesses start. It is, and I, I, I'm a firm believer of if you're always open and looking for opportunities, opportunities will come. Mm-hmm. Opportunities don't fall out of a tree if you're not looking mm-hmm. in them trees to for the opportunities. And I'm a, I'm a firm believer of that. And you know, everyone say there is an element of luck in business, but you've also got to create your own luck and make your own look and, and and that comes by looking for opportunity and and having that openness to taking on that challenge and you know starting your own business is a challenge just to give everyone an idea i've never known anyone be so prolific on linkedin in your industry than you you never off it yeah i do i go through linkedin can be your, your best friend or your worst enemy and i think when again when you put yourself up you know i've been shot down a few times on linkedin especially when the business that um, I did start was, you know, going into administration. You know, when you're putting yourself out there, reinventing yourself, there's always somebody there to remind you of of what didn't happen. And I know we had a brief chat before this about the the Rugby World Cup final that's Mm. just happened on Saturday. And I think some people always look on the negative of what didn't happen. Mm. And no one ever says, well, well done, at least you had a go. Or well done, you got there, you got Mm. to the final. Mm. So it's, you know... Yeah, firm believer of that. So tell us about what happened when you started the business. When when was this? So we started the business in 2014. 
We started the business in the same year the government made one of the largest cuts to adult education. So it was like everyone and all the signs were saying, don't start this business yeah. and don't do it now. Um, bit like probably the 2008 recession for property. Well, that, yeah, that's when I started. You know, so it's exactly right. <laughs> so we're both thick heads together. Yeah, yeah. Don't start the business now and don't go in when that's one of the biggest cuts. So we started the business and, and our business was helping people back into employment. Mm. So we did a lot of pre-employment training. We trained um, people from the job centre, helped them get back into work and we linked up mm. with employers. And, and that's what we did very, very well. We did that across the country, so we didn't just stick to the northeast. We mm-hmm. we nationalised the business very quickly, which has got its challenges of of you're not always round to see the staff recruit, you know, um, see how they operate, you know, all all times yeah. of the day and when when they're delivering. Um, you've always got, you know, we the furthest we delivered was Bridgewater, which is like a seven and a half hour drive from here. So when you have to drive there every other week. I think my first year in business, I put about eighty thousand miles on my car, um, which was, you know, was was pretty epic to be fair. And you were doing a lot of the delivery yourself. We, I never did the delivery. That's one thing I said when I when I start the business, I won't be the person delivering the training. But we did a lot of the business development. That's you know, I would say I'm a natural business developer, natural salesman, whatever I want to sell, and and I did a lot of the. A lot of the business development, yeah. so the meeting of the job centres, the employers, the candidates, the you know potential learners going on programmes. I did yeah. all of that in in the beginning, really. Um, and year one was a very good year. It was enjoyable. We built a good team around us. So within year one, we probably grew to about a team of three to five people full time in the biz, full time equivalents in the business. We had a little uh, administration team, people helping out in the business development mm. and, and kind of brought our first operational role in the business, which again, and I, I don't mind saying this right at the start, is I am, I think I'm a good leader. I'm a terrible manager. Mm, there's people. a big difference between yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and <clears throat> this is something I've battled with for probably since 2014 mm. and probably beyond be, before then, which I didn't really recognise is, I'm a good motivator and leader and, and come an idealsman. Yeah, let's have a go at this idea. And, and obviously you need a team of people behind you to take that idea forward. But when that team looked to me for that one-to-one, oh, can we have a one-to-one? Mm. Uh, what do you want to talk about? One-to-one? <laughs> <laughs> you know, well done. I've, I've said well done. You know, let's yeah. just let's just get over the, the parapet and go and get in the mix. But I never, um, I was I was never a good manager, but I was a good leader. I'm I'm exactly the same. So I'm a what I would class as a better leader than a manager. I'm not going to say I'm a good leader because that's for the people to decide. But as a manager, I know I'm horrific. That's why I've got somebody like Adele, who all the listeners will will um, recognise her name, um, and then she's got a good set of managers underneath her because leadership and management is completely different. Yeah. Leadership, I think, is coming up with a strategy, coming up with where you want to take the business, and then the tactics is is by the manager eyes and that I how are you going to do that. The little detailed things, and I'm not a detailed person. I don't suppose you are either. No, no, definitely not. Yeah. Definitely not. So yeah, so we grew the business year one. We we probably had a what figures you turn on? Turn year on? year one, we turned over about two hundred and twenty, two hundred and thirty thousand pound. Bloody good for a it, first year business. Oh, phenomenal! You know, but at all times we we were on a journey. We were growing. Um, we had plans, so we it was probably our first seven month of trading. Our accounts ended on on two hundred and twenty thousand, and then the first real full year kicked in. Um, at all times, we were looking for growth. We were looking for funding. So my job was to build funding partners with colleges, with training providers who had access to the funding direct mm. from the government, and we we utilised that to to, mm. to help build them partnerships. So we built a good network of partners, and I was just well networked. I was out. I would, you know, I would. Dork people on LinkedIn <laughs> who I wanted to, to, you know, to get into, and you know, you pick, you write your top five where you want to be on the board, your top five clients, and you just, you just start canvassing. Yeah. I think the the moment of luck came. We attended an ALP conference, which is like a, a governing um, body, like in in our yeah. in education. They hold conferences every year. They have speakers from Ofsted and, yeah. and different yeah. um, governing bodies in, and they give you a lot of information and help throughout the year, a bit like an ARLA type, yes. type yeah. accreditation. Yeah. Um, so I was sat there at our first event. It was in London. We couldn't really afford to go. We were doing okay, but, mm. you know, to spend 
two and a half thousand pounds to to go to London for three nights and you had to join the accreditation to go to the then you had to you, if we were going to go we were going to go at the dinner because who was at the dinner I wanted to speak to everyone at the dinner yeah. and just you know I was just very keen and eager and I remember sitting there was a slide on the board and it was East Midlands we worked in the East Midlands we had a lot of work in the East Midlands and it, it brought up a slide of providers in the East Midlands so I took a photograph of the slide and sitting there as you do trying to write down as much information yeah. as possible as the slide was changing, there was only a couple of providers you could really recognise. Literally, as the slide was changing, and one of them was a, a company called Hit Training, massive training company. And I just thought, this is it. Just you know, touted ourselves out to to Jill at the time, who was who was the um, the owner of Hit, and she come back to me and said, "Yeah, let's go down and speak." So we went down to Birmingham, had our meeting, and we were in our offices. Uh, were X um, shipping containers. Uh, so they were cold in the winter, hot in the summer, awful to look at, but no one, if you were ever describing where your offices were, everyone goes, oh, I'm in the shipping containers. I'm in the tin cans. Yeah. You know, so they always knew. So we had a small office in there, three or four people. And I remember we had a good meeting, you know, very good, very, we got on very well, two businesses, good similar ethics of where we wanted, we were going and where they'd been and going to be fair. Um, and she said, how much money do you want? So I thought, well, I'll have a £2 million contract. We couldn't service a £2 million contract. Nowhere near a £2 million contract. We had five staff, you know. <laughs> and um, she just said, well, I wasn't looking to give that much away. How about half? So I was like, ah, yeah, I think that'll do us. <laughs> so we walked out and it was their national they were inviting all of their staff to this hotel for their their big staff conference. So there must have been six hundred staff of theirs yeah. that 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 night. So we walked out, and all of the cars said "Hit Training" on. They're all branded. And I just thought, walk back to the car, walk back to the car. It was like an only fools and horses moment. <laughs> he sat down, and it was just the car was rocking, celebrating, and that that one contract then propelled us to heights that we never thought yeah. was achievable because. We were working with one of the biggest privately owned providers in the country. Yeah. They put their trust in us. Mm. So they were a brand we could put on our website. We were on their website. Um, we were able to then use that name and that brand in, mm. in other meetings, and that's what really kicked us on. Um, and we're just looking at the figures here. I mean, the end of year two. So the end of the first seven months of trading, you turn over just over 200 grand. The end of year two, it was 2.2 million. Yeah. End of year three, 3.5 million. Yeah. And you were on target in your fourth year. Your, your, your budget was five million pounds. Yeah, yeah. In year that four was training. Plans of That's year some four. That's a huge growth. Massive. I mean, year two, we, we, year two, our first full year, although it was year two of accounts, we probably made 350, 400,000 pound profit, you know, and a guy from a colliery background with yeah. no real grades coming out of school albeit i went to university later on yeah. in life i didn't really come out with anything good in math i think i come out with an f in maths and, <laughs> and f doesn't mean fantastic unfortunately um you know i had to sit down and, and at one point you've got to think pinch yourself up pinch yourself yeah. yeah but you were so busy you were so engrossed in the business the business consumed you that you never celebrated mm. we never i never sat back and celebrated mm. it was always like I remember our first ever contract win was £50,000 mm. with a company from Derby. And it was great. We, over the moon, £50,000 contract. I remember in year three, year two, we were picking up £50,000 contracts like you'd found a penny on the floor. Yeah. That's what it was like, oh, found a pit off this, you know, put it in your pocket and you moved on. And I, I remember sitting in the office one day and saying to, to Sean, um, who's one of my business partners now, at what point did we stop? Did we go from not celebrating these wins and and your your business? Like you know, I listen to a lot of podcasts, read a lot of, um, consume a lot of data on businesses, and businesses do consume you. People mm. think this entrepreneur, they see the car you <clears> drive or holidays you go on, and think, you know, I want that like that Instagram life. But actually, the truth behind it is, it it's absolutely exhausting running any form of business because. That's all you think about 24 hours a day. You wait, I'd wake up three, four o'clock in the morning and think of something and I'd be on my phone yeah. putting it in my notes and things like that, you know, coming in. I remember year three, um, I remember 
everything we did in business, but I couldn't tell you anything I did in my personal life. Yeah. I'd go to my kids' football. I wasn't watching the football. I was thinking about what's going to happen on Monday, what's happening here. Oh, I hope that's gone well. Mm-hmm. And then it comes back to that that management of that staff. You know, when you're not a good manager, but you're always trying to lead, you're always trying to drive forward. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you don't know what's going on behind and that was one of my biggest flaws really i think that is so important that we've got to get that work-life balance and i know work-life balance is a, is a phrase that gets thrown around so much and i don't believe there is a work-life balance so what is it is it 40 uh, 60 is it 70 30 is it 30 you know what is it and i think only only you can answer that um, yeah for, for me it's very much that's why i get up at half four every morning so everybody, including my wife, Gemma, think I'm absolutely mental. Yeah, me included. Yeah, yeah. thanks, mate. Um, but I do it for a sole reason that I finish at five o'clock. So yeah, yeah. And, and your body gets used to it. I know everybody says, oh, I can't get up at five o'clock. I couldn't when I first started. But when I first started, I got in the gym, I couldn't bench press 80 kilo. Mm-hmm. And then when you when you do look back and you're doubling it and stuff and you're looking yeah, back yeah. going, how weird's that? You know, what made me, wh- where was that tipping point where I thought 80 kilogram was like? then your mind's a muscle, your body is full of muscles, and it's just a case of you have to train yourself. So I train myself to get up. That I, I wake up half four, 20 to five, without an alarm now. My alarm's for quarter to. I've never had to use my alarm for probably about a year. You know, what t- time t- do you go to bed? That's the thing. I go, like, I'm literally flagging at nine o'clock. Mm-hmm. So, you know, quarter past nine, in bed, half nine, lights off, sleep. And I'm, I'm really fine with that. Gemma, my wife, needs a lot more sleep than me. Mm-hmm. I don't need sleep. So she's in bed at half nine, quarter to ten, which is fine. So we go to sleep at the same time, but I just get up about three hours before her. Yeah, which, yeah. you know, if you ask her, she says, you can get up whatever time you want, but you've just got to be quiet when you get up, which mm-hmm. I'm, apparently I'm not. So I think, um, but I did that because when, obviously, you know, my daughter Stephanie, my eldest, who's 15, um, I wasn't there for the first couple of years, and that's a big reason why me and her mum... Yeah split up um, amongst other things but we won't go into that on this no, podcast no. Um, but it was it was a lot to do with it I was always away and I was yeah. always working and I, and I said when, when me and Gemma had uh, Jack and, and Bella was that I'll never let that come come between us so for instance we've just had a, a crazy weekend as in yeah watch the World Cup but then we all went shopping as a family together yeah, yeah. me and Gemma went out in the night time because we were se- funny you should have said that celebrating our latest um, agency acquisition mm-hmm. and you know I'm doing that with my business partner and we're going to have a you know a nice celebratory uh, meal together I think you've got to take stock of what went well yeah we always we always say well what didn't go well and exactly like when we were talking about South Africa yeah, yeah. and in England it was a case of England were crap we didn't turn up we didn't do this we didn't do that and it's got to be a case of guys we've got to this, the final of the World Cup we just got beaten by a better team on the day and I think that's a that's a British thing yeah really and I think and you know, and that's not not everybody's like this, and I'm not going to stare at everyone's like this. But there's a lot of people love to see people fail. Yeah, like, and I'm the opposite. Me, I love to see people succeed, mm-hmm. and I want people to succeed. Whatever you do, and whether that's business, football, rugby, sport, anything, I love to see people do mm-hmm. well. I love to see local people do well, local businesses do well, and where everyone goes, ah, oh, see such and such has failed. Oh, he's been, but oh, he's lost everything, and it's almost like. A talking point, and they take, they take like some kind of pleasure pleasure out yeah, of that, yeah. yeah. And where I'm like, I'm devastated for people if they feel, yeah. But then also, I I believe, and I'm firm believer of that is my failure only then fee fed a, a a bigger hunger of desire to yeah. succeed or to do something. And just to give you an idea, so. The- in the beginning of year four, you've sat down with your business partner, you've had a budget, and you said we're going to hit five million. Um, so what happened? So we had a we had an um, an uh, what we call a whistleblower in our business. So if anything, if anybody claims an accusation against you in your business, then you get investigated by the ESFA, which is the government, basically. Yeah. They come in, they stop all money. Yeah. You're guilty until proven, proven innocent, innocent yeah. which is which is crazy. Um, and this is where a lot of businesses and a lot of businesses um, will just shut the doors because you have to then bankroll that moving forward. Um, and so it, I always think it was my reputation I was in my early 30s, you know, young early 30s, and I've got a lot of more years to give in business in, in this industry. So I had to prove to these people who put the trust in me that 
whatever they're saying is is wrong. Um, so we had to go three to four months without any income. Without any income, you weren't. So then... literally, the the funders just said on yeah. hold. Yeah, on hold. So they, why did it take so long to prove it? Because they then got to investigate. So if there's a, a claim of you misclaiming funds from the government on learners that shouldn't be funded, they, they then investigate every funding stream you're under. And we were delivering apprenticeships at the time, which everyone probably knows about. We were delivering um, pre-employment, doing things with young people. So there was a lot of a lot of different funding funders as well, because we had a number of funders, probably 15 across the country. They all got the same letter. Wow. from the ASFA to say it being investigated. And then it was just a case of batting down the hatches. So for, for one quarter of our year, we did not trade. We did trade and we still had to deliver to the Learn Zone programme. We didn't deliver any new starts. So there was no new income, new revenue stream coming in. We didn't do any prospecting, as you call it, mm-hmm. any sales, anything like that, because we couldn't. We had no funding to sell, as if mm-hmm. you like. Um, and it was just a case of batting down the hatches. And, and that there was probably the darkest moment in business. It's like, I used to love coming into the office. We'd always talk to people coming in. And I found myself not wanting to come in the office, not wanting to face the staff, you know, go and work from a Costa, go and work from a Starbucks, go mm. and work from home. You know, Why do you feel embarrassed? I think you've just, yeah, a little bit embarrassed. It's pride, but it's also like, you don't know what's going on in your, your whole life or what you feel is your whole life has been stripped away in terms of your business, everything you've put in. So like what I've talked about, you put everything into this business. You've probably neglected your own children, your wife, your family. So everything, you're your all and someone or something's about to take this away and you think it's almost like that um, separation anger yeah. maybe when they're you know, losing somebody. Yeah. You know, I've read a lot of stories since about people who've lost a business feel like they've lost a loved one. I know it yeah. No, no, it doesn't. It makes perfect sense. Stupid, but... but no, it doesn't because yeah. you, like you've just said, you, do, you spend as much, you spend more time with your colleagues and your business than you do with your family yeah. and your kids. You know, even on weekends back in the day when I started, I was still work, work, work. When we did our, the Easington Business Centre where our, yeah, our yeah. main office is, you know, for four months, I was working eight, nine, ten, twelve hours a day, including Saturdays and Sundays. I never saw Stephanie, my youngest, probably for about three or four mm-hmm. months, probably more than a couple yeah. of hours, because she was in bed when, when I got home. So, yeah. no, I, I totally get it that when you lose a business, you feel as though you've lost your wife or yeah. husband or whatever. So we got investigated, and again, the investigations, um, I think out of the, you know, the X amount of millions we had, we, we had to pay back something like £1,200 to the government. 1200 quid out of millions. Yeah. So it's like, you know, they found a few discrepancies of things. Maybe one learner didn't tick to say they'd had a degree and they did. Um, they hadn't had a degree and they did. They yeah. found out and they become unfunded. So it wasn't so eligible for back. funding. Yeah, yeah. So literally, I mean, it couldn't have gone any better. Mm. Everybody signed off. The whole business moved forward, but the damage was done. And I don't know what you, you probably know about apprenticeships and, and probably a lot of your listeners have had apprentices within their business. Yeah. We started apprenticeships because that was the government's, the, you know, the Tory government's fault. It was three million apprenticeships by this, and we're going to do this. So we, it wasn't our skill set. I knew nothing about apprenticeships in terms of funding and how they they worked. So it was something new to learn. And very quickly, we went from zero to like nearly a thousand apprentices on program. We were, you know, recruiting staff every week. Like as a good member of staff walked through the door, we were taking them on, mm-hmm. and. If a bad member of staff was there, we were taking them on as well mm-hmm. because we were just trying to feed what I called the yeah. beast. Yeah. Um, and we weren't set up for it. It didn't run well. We didn't get completions. It didn't run. When you'd done so well on pre-employment and you were getting 40, 45% of everybody on that course into work, you were getting high 90% completions. We were running English and maths classes for people who needed English and maths and getting high 90s in completions. Which is great for you Which is English. excellent, you know, outstanding in terms of English and maths. When you were doing everything so well, but one part of your business and which was coming the biggest part of your business and the biggest <clears> part <throat> of the government's focus wasn't doing so well, that again just eats away. Yeah. And like every night you go, why is this not running right? Mm. You know, you'd you'd go through phases of getting rid of people, right? They're not performing, right? But then, you know, it's one thing I've probably learned from being friends with yourself is having them KPI benchmarks mm, to go, mm. well, that, this is simple. Why you're not, you're just not yeah. performing against KPIs. We didn't really have that structure yeah. set up. We were starting to. Um, 
and it was just felt like the wheels started to fall off. Yeah. And and that was probably at the time where um the depression from myself and my anxiety of not coming into work started to really take a hold of me. It got worse. And got worse. Um and I remember, you know, I don't mind sharing it with your listeners, is I remember walking in one night, sitting on the kitchen benches, because I used to just sit in the kitchen bench. As like I've always done it since I was a kid. The, your kitchen's always your hub of your house, yeah, isn't it? it and is you always up, have it a, is bit, up north, it is a bit crack in your kitchen. And I remember sitting on the kitchen bench and I just broke down crying to my wife. Didn't know why I was crying. I wasn't like upset. I wasn't hurt. Like, you know, physically I wasn't in pain. I just broke down crying. And it, that happened a few times over the, probably over the course of a few weeks. Actually, I'd be driving the car and I'd just start crying down yeah. the year 19, driving the car thinking, and I'd be thinking, what? is going on here like and my wife had suffered um uh like postnatal depression with me young my older son sorry Niall so I had had just a quick one for the listeners who's Niall named after so Niall's named after Niall Quinn was Sutherland. a Sunderland footballer chairman owner all around um, good guy and all god. around yeah good guy and god in in Sunderland <laughs> so he was named after Niall Quinn so he's um she had a bit of a tough time when he was born. Didn't didn't want to leave him. You know, she had a great um, job as a nurse. She was a uh, kind of building up to a home manager's job in in a nursing home, um, and just left it all. And like that was my first understanding that I used to think people who go on the sick, like you know, again, mm. sorry for discriminating, no, and stereotyping, no, but people who go on the sick is the people who don't want to work. Yeah. Like, they're not really fit for work. And all of these people who've never worked mm-hmm. since the pits closed and things like that, where they could do a job. And this was the first time I got to understand that actually there's probably people out there who want to work, mm-hmm. who can't work, or who are very capable and skilled and qualified and worked hard. And then, so I had to you know, support my wife through that in terms of I had two jobs at the time just to get us through. You know, and that's and I've I'm always been that one where I'll always do something to make money, mm. whatever that is, whether I like it or not. And that's why I always had this thing against people who didn't work or go, oh well, I don't want to do that yeah, job. Well, I used yeah. to think, well, I'd I'd you know clean toilets if I have to, yeah. just to make some money yeah. to provide for my family. So it was I had an understanding of mental health and and depression and and things like that. So and she was like, go to the doctors. Um, get some antidepressants. I'm like, I don't need antidepressants. Yeah. I feel, I've seen that as like kind of a failure. Yeah. Uh, I've admitted and, you know, like, and I remember sitting down at the doctors and I, I, I told them full story. I says, I've look, breaking down crying. I says, I think I've got depression. And I remember he reached for his like notepad as if to like write, write me a sick note. Mm. And he says, look, I recommend you take minimum four weeks. And I went, mm. so I just started laughing. I says, I work pretty much for myself, although I run a business and I've got staff. I went, I can't take four weeks off work. I says, I've come here because I need help. I need to find a solution, a way, a process, yeah. anything <laughs> that can help. And this was the first time, and I'll the first time I'll ever take me mm-hmm. after any doctor, because first, you know, really of, of using the kind of doctor's service. He's turned around, pulled his screen round brought up YouTube and started going through techniques that I could use on on a morning meditation, Mm. on an evening meditation, looking at these videos, positive, how to work through things, you know, take a massive meditation. We spoke many times on it. Massive now. Never was like, you know, my kids, when I (laughs) first told them I was meditating, they both took the mick out of me, sat down with their arms closed, uh, the the legs folded and the, the hands in like circles going um <laughs> like Doctor Strange something on Doctor Strange so it was like but I felt it was a it, it maybe to help mechanism. Yeah, yeah it wasn't it wasn't the the overall um, kind of um, relief for it all but it was just a mechanism that helped. Yeah. It was just a part that compounded that would help or I would feel better after it yeah. and it took. It it, it it took me a while to... I just used an app. I used an app called Headspace, downloaded it. That, yeah. um, I got that recommended off a, another guy I did a bit of business with. I went and seen a counsellor. So I had a counselling session every every week um, with a counsellor and seeing and um, worked through like um, things that I was worried about. I didn't have a control over. And I'd worry about these things where I 
I didn't need to worry. Oh, what mm. was going to happen? Well, it hasn't happened yet. Why am I worrying it? But just all of this worry just kept compounding and compounding and, you know, not going into the office made things worse. So if I didn't mm. go to the office for two days, I'd think, oh, I'm not going to go in yeah. on a third day. You know, it was getting worse because I, I'd been out that office. And then in my mind, oh, what the staff saying, what's they say, I felt like I'd lost all respect in, in that sense of that leadership. So- so you were worrying more about what the staff were thinking of Yeah, you. yeah, 100%. You know, mm. that, that, and it just got worse. So when I started seeing the counsellor, that really helped. That 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 was all on the NHS. It was a, a thing called Talk and Changes, which was available through a referral from your doctor. Yeah. So I didn't pay any money towards that. I've seen anybody. You know, I used Headspace, which was, a, a, I think, a free app at the start, but then you paid something like 60 or £70 for the year. So it but it's like, so worth it. Yeah, of course it is. It's it's it, it it was helping. And then talking about it, like I think a lot of people, a lot of men especially, you know, hold things up. They're not good talkers. You don't walk around one of the lads' houses and just have a talk about how you're feeling. Yeah. Because that's not a manly thing to do. No, that's what was men. Where we were brought up, it's 100%. No, no. And I think there's a, a stigma across men probably wherever you're brought up, like where yeah. women will walk around and... They'll have a chat and cry to each other. Where mm. men don't do that, no. you know. You're a man. You you're a provider, or that's the stereotype. So I think the more people I spoke to about it, men included, I think the better I felt about it because I was getting things off my chest. I wasn't ashamed of it. Mm. I think at the start I was ashamed of it, but then the more I read about it, the more I understood. You know, I end up getting medication for it, which again helped. Um, and you know, it helped me process things. A, a lot better in terms of the, the business and where it was going. And did you have, did you do almost a mental debrief about what went right, what went wrong with the business? And then don't get me wrong. I think at the time when you're in this, this deep, dark depression, you don't want to think about anything else, but at what point afterwards did you say, right, I'm well enough now to look at what went right, what went wrong and what will I have to do in order that this doesn't happen again if I choose to get back in business? I probably still do that to this day. I probably yeah. still reflect back. And when I launched my consultancy business, I remember launching a member comment a few things and I got shot down a few times. And people So what were they saying? If you don't mind us asking, what were they, what were they saying? I remember commenting on somebody about sales and, and, and on about who was a great leader. And I remember putting something about myself um, about the leadership qualities. And, and one of the clients that we worked with commented as I put like, really? Yeah. As if to like have a dig about what had happened yeah. with the business. And But then... How did you deal with that? Uh, I didn't. I didn't deal Ignore with it. it. I just ignored it. Didn't comment. Although, I, you know, probably wrote that message out a thousand <laughs> times of like how many polite ways to say it. Go screw yourself. Go screw yourself. Um, but I didn't and I just ignored it. Yeah. Where now, if I, it's always that case. If I'd known then what I know now, mm-hmm. since, since the business has gone in the last 12 months, I've done more self-development than I did in the last 30 odd year. You know, I've read books, um, listened to a lot of podcasts. Like, like a lot of conferences. Ch- yeah, conferences, events, yeah. events. We've had loads of chats. And, you know, some very, very successful people will tell you that they will invest in mentors and coaches and, mm. and people like that, and they will want them to tell them their mistakes so they never make the same mistake. Yeah. So I think me not making this mistake, what happened to my business, the growth was great. I can tell people how to grow a business, scale a business. I can tell people on the things what to do and what not to yeah. do. I can tell people how to get through a business that's failing. Yeah. You know, even an exit, an administration. I learned so much through the administration process of appointing an administrator, which administrators to appoint because, you know, there's a lot of out there and some of them's like vultures and they don't want to help you. They just want to money. get that money yeah. where there's some nice administrators who want to help you and learning that process. And again, now I, I, I will always, whether it's, property whether it's getting a quote i'll always speak to three or four different people get three or four different people's takes on it people who have been there and say mm. look don't make this mistake in administration what i did or and even people who can help you make it positive mm. you know because when this business did go into administration i probably owed about one hundred and fifty thousand pounds worth of personal guarantee so to try and keep the business open and running and I we took loans out. I personally guaranteed the loans. Loans just to pay staff. You know, staff were the main thing. Always pay the staff. Yeah. No matter who you didn't pay, awarding bodies, you know, customers, things like that. 
always pay the staff because without the staff wanting that door, you've got nothing. One thing I wasn't, and I probably still not to this day, I wasn't ruthless enough with people. I didn't cut people when they should have been. I didn't take the advice of when people come and say, look, they need to go. Yeah, to help the cash flow yeah. to keep the business or, going. Yeah, and, like, and again, a big thing I'll, I'll never do again and I'll never advise in any other business, never cut your marketing budget. Yeah. Because the traction you make on marketing, we had a discussion before this, you know, on, on that yeah. funnel and things like that. The minute you stop, people think something's up. That even you've got to be outward facing to say things are going well and, and we're growing and we're, 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 we're sales, sales, sales. Even if you're trying to sort everything out internally, because without sales, you still. Do you know what? That's sales. really interesting because. <clears throat> may or may not be aware we've just had something in our industry called the tenant fee ban so for all the letting yeah. agents we're not allowed to charge admin fees there's a lot of uncertainty with Brexit you know there's a lot of people saying they've had the worst August, September, October on record all that sort of stuff so therefore the first thing that people cut is what people class as the intangibles such as marketing Yeah. so they they cut the cloth to suit but I'm, I'm with you on this Dave that you should be not cutting your budget on marketing you should be not necessarily increasing it because there's a lot of stuff you can market or prospect as we call in this industry yeah. for free. It's picking up the phone. It's low cost or no cost. So instead of phoning 10 people a day, you should be phoning 20 people a day or yeah. 30 or 40 people. And very, very quickly that that loss or that lack of revenue will replace itself because you're doubling, tripling, mm-hmm. quadrupling the, the efforts in yeah. marketing. And again, with I didn't not want to pay people. That was the big thing with me is I – when you're not paying people and people are on the phone, I know what it's like to chase invoices. So it didn't sit right with me not being able to do this. I was trying mm. to find a ways of working around it. You know, we had contracts. We had contracts when we shut the business, yeah. you know, locked in for the next year, probably million pound up over. So to shut the business. That had guaranteed still, income and contracts yeah, well, well over a million quid. Well over a million pound. But we owed too much money. There was mm. still too much owing. There was still, we were still carrying too much cost. So we needed to probably double that. And the way we're paid is we, we'll maybe do a piece of work in August and then we don't get paid till December. So it's like you've then got to still carry that cost for mm. months and then it was getting into the point of where if you couldn't pay staff. And mm. it was it was a tough decision, but I'd, when we finally put the business out in administration, I felt like a weight had been lifted off my shoulders. Really? Yeah. I felt like I'd carried this burden of this business of, and I don't mind saying it, that when I started a business, I started a business, I wanted to create a, a lifestyle, a better lifestyle for me, family, and, you know, everything that comes along with it. When the business ended in year four, it was too big for me. Mm. That I didn't, and I didn't, and again, over the last 12 months of self-development, I didn't have a mentor, mm. which I think would have been absolute key I should have had or mentors in all different sectors. Mm. You know, we talked about Facebook, Instagram, um, management, policies. I didn't have a number of mentors mm. that I do now, which is weirdly mm. enough that yeah. I don't have the, the size of the business I did, but I have more mentors now and I speak, than I did then. Um, I didn't have, um, you know, the, probably the I had good people around me. Mm. I probably needed more. Better, better. Yeah, yeah. you know, not even better. Had some really good people and really good drivers, but um, better throughout the business. And mm. and as I say, the mentors were probably key. So I did feel a big weight had been lifted off my shoulders when that when that went in administration. And I and feel that, that was when. Sorry, that was business went in administration August of last year, July so of last just year. Just over a year now. So in terms of your mental health, where are you now? Oh, much better place. Mental health is still, um, I think, and if once you've suffered, you're always conscious of where you've been and you don't want to go yeah. back. So there's probably good days and bad days. Some days I wake up like anybody, you have a bad day. But when you have a bad day and you've suffered in mental health, you know, you start thinking about that mental health yeah. and right, right, okay, let's do something positive. Let's let's get out there. Let's keep busy. I think keeping busy is a big factor for me. You know, I didn't relax well. Still probably don't relax well on holiday. I remember, you know, all the holidays I had having a business, I remember one weekend of one holiday in Tenerife where I actually relaxed knowing that it was a bank holiday week. It might be an Easter. Mm. Friday was off. Monday was off. FE were off, like further education, every provider. It was the first weekend I could actually relax on holiday thinking, 
I'm not getting a works email. That's really interesting because I, when we go on, we try and get three or four a year just because of, I never used to, I think I went two and a half, three years without a holiday, but we always try and get three or four holidays. We always get a big and a two weeker yeah. and a couple of one weekers. And I always relax more on the Thursday, Friday, knowing that Friday, nothing really happens in our, our yeah. industry anyway, knowing that I've got the weekend and possibly the Monday. And we always try and go away on a bank holiday yeah. because I, I get more. It's interesting that, that you know that no one can contact you or they shouldn't. Yeah. Christmases were good as well because yeah. we, we colleges provide a shutdown at Christmas from like the 20th, 21st, mm. 22nd, right the way through well, sometimes the second, third or sixth, whenever you went back after Christmas. So Christmases were always good. I was always big on Christmas anyway. Love our family love Christmas, that festive time yeah. and you know the period the period leading up to Christmas is probably better yeah. than the Christmas day if you know yeah, what I mean. The build is, up's yeah, always yeah. more exciting. Yeah. Um so yeah so I can relax a lot more now but I still don't like to. I still like mm. to keep busy. Um and I still like to probably now within the businesses that I do run now put into practice what I learned from the the, the feelings of others. So that's how I, I think it's important because I, I really think it's massive. I really thank you for being so honest because I think there's a lot of agencies out there who are going through tough times because of the tenant fee ban, because of um, the uncertainty of Brexit. There's a, a massive amount of increased legislation regulation. All I'll say to people, and these are owners of these businesses and the estate agents, letting agents and people out there listening is... I always looked at it. I remember when my business finally called it a day and my wife said, are you going to get a job? And I just said, no, mm-hmm. I'm not getting a job. She went, but why? And I was like, because whatever I do, I'd rather do it for myself and be in a little bit of a control of your own destiny. Yeah. I love the entrepreneurial side, the business, the startups, the growth. You can't get that from working for no. someone. You're on someone else's vision line. You can always, and that's probably one of the reasons where I left one of my first main employers is I always had these ideas, but you're always on their vision. Mm-hmm. You're always on their terms. You know, some of my ideas come to fruition and very good and it's good to see it happen, but then you never get the benefit, the reward, mm-hmm. the financial reward, the, you know, the able to do three or four or five holidays a year and have big cars and things like that. So it's like, I just said, no, this is in us. Whatever I do, I'm yeah. I'm going to... You're unemployable. 100% unemployable. Yeah, I always say and that. I think if you're sitting there through a tough time now, there's always a way out. <clears throat> it might not be the exit you want. It, it could be shutting your business and reinventing... Or scaling it back. Scaling it back, shutting it, reinventing yourself. Mm. But could you sit there on Monday, shut the doors on Friday and sit there working for somebody else mm. in their estate agents, letting agents, you know... On their terms, I think, I people, think yeah, a lot I of people struggle. would struggle to I do that. Struggle. I could if my family depended on it and you put yeah, your, yeah. your own self-interest um, in, to one side, but I do think I'm exactly the same with you. I'm, I'm unemployable. So where, where are we now? So you've got a it's, – it's a bit – this podcast is, is talking about mental health. It's talking about, you know, you're losing a big multi, multi, multi-million pound business, but also I think it's important to, to sort of celebrate in a short space of time of losing that business – You've bounced back and bounced back in a big yeah, way. Yeah, so I launched my consultancy business called Nilex. So I've got two boys, Niall and Alex. So it didn't take as long to come up with that name. <laughs> <laughs> Just named it after them. Um, so I've got Nilex consultancy business, which does very well, worked with some good clients over the kind of last 12 months and was able to um, influence some some great decisions. It's, it's worth to, to to know, and I hope you don't mind me saying this, is that you actually earn more from your consultancy than you did when you had yeah, the big business. Yeah, do. Yeah, 100%. And you've got hours. You were, what I did was when the business, I stripped back everything that made money. What were the good parts of my business that made money? And how can I use that moving forward? Yeah. So the consultancy business was either... I can set things up as a consultant, work with providers and work with people and either work on a, a retainer. Yeah. And, and and I price myself I price myself high because I price my experience and what I've gone through as very valuable. Um, or I can come in on a lower rate but take a percentage, a success fee on if this is successful. Yeah. And I would always back myself on being whatever I'm going to put myself in that w- will become successful if I believe in it and, and stripping back. No, and I've, I've targeted the parts that would become 
that were successful mm-hmm. in JB um, in, in my business. So it's, I did that and, and launched that. And I've got a business partner, uh, Sean, who we work very well together. So mm-hmm. we're both sales Compliment people. each other, yeah. Compliment each other. He's, he's very sensitive. I've, I've met Sean a couple of times and he's a nice guy and he's very sort of yeah. down to earth. I tell you what, we've got, the same, we've got the same values and beliefs. Yeah. We're family people, family men. Um, you know, we spend weekends all with our family. We don't really go out and, you know, piss it up the wall. Yeah, yeah, we don't. We, we, you know, spend boring, really, weekends with the family. And, and so we're very similar in our, our outlook and we back each other. You know, we've always got each other's backs and we challenge each other, which is very good. So we do a lot of work around with colleges now and, and providers on growth and things like that. Um, I've got a recruitment business, which is based in Sunderland. So we, we recruit for um, any permanent recruitment roles. And we also do temporary roles. We um, temporary industrial. We work with um, mm. one of our main clients is, is mm. Barber. Mm. So that goes very well. Um, got a guy who runs that and we, we back that man really. So I'd like to think myself as I know you, you kind of, we've had discussions. You've got to be careful is I like to win. If I've got the money there, I like to invest in people. Like somebody invested in me, mm-hmm. you know, four, five, five year ago, and I think if you back the right person, the journey is 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 enjoyable because you've got the right values, beliefs, and 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 kind of morals to go along with it. So we we you know we backed Anth and Anth runs that for us and runs goes very well. Probably on probably first year this year we'll we'll probably we'll do over a million in terms of um, turnover. Mm-hmm. Um, Potentially two, depending on what contracts come in and, and, and mm. growth we go. Mm. Um, we've just got um, started a business called Brand Control, branding, market, and media business with a guy called Adel. Again, we've worked with Adel over a, a number of projects um, recently, and he kind of wants his own business. So we've 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 invested in that, helped him start up that, and I like that whole startup scene, that investor scene. Um, you almost invest. You, you, the business is interesting, but it's almost irrelevant. It's the person it's the you're person. investing in. Yeah, yeah. Just as you say, you invested. The people invested in you back in. You don't always have to know everything about the business, but if you know the fundamentals of starting a business, growing and scaling a business, you can do that in in any, you know, scene in, in any arena. So I think it's it is the person because you've got to work with that person, and that person's got to be committed, and it's how you vet that person and go through that, and then. The property side, so we've just really, rather than, you know, we've we've put our money in investing in single lets, did a couple of property courses, as you do, <laughs> as they all say. No names of the property no courses names are available. No the property courses, others are available, obviously. But um, we've invested single lets, stuck to the northeast. <clears> and I like the property because you buy something, you can see it, you can touch it, you can hug it if you want to, you know. Um, we've, we've, we've bought a couple of auction now couple of refurbs which scared the hell out of me like you're walking yeah. in i know nothing about construction do you know what's interesting you're buying some really like low-end properties to add value which scares you the fact that you've just gone through a multi-multi-million pound business building it up scaling it going back down and your first 12 months of turnover a new business you're going to turn over a million possibly two that would scare a lot of people listen to this so it's just it's Oh, your comfort zone is Out your comfort, your comfort zone. zone, yeah, yeah. But it is what it is. It's like, it is. you know, you're buying a 50, 60,000 quid property doing a 10 grand well, refurb, and that's nervous for you. In terms of property, which obviously our listeners will know, we bought one at auction for 42,000. Yeah. Um, we paid a, a 6,000 pound auction fee. Ridiculous. Um, we, we, we budgeted 15 for the, the property. It needed, um, it had damp, needed new kitchen, new bathroom. We'll probably, probably do it for around 10. Yeah, and um, we've found a good partner to partner up with who can the kitchens and the bathrooms and things like that good standard, and um, so it's probably spend around ten it completes next week in terms of all of the work painting, and um, ready for it to be let and it probably worth eighty five. So it's a good sort of. We just bought another one in um, Easington thirty six. Um, again, budgeted probably around ten now, knowing what we know from from the one at Castle Ray Street, um. Probably worth seventy five ish. Yeah. So there's still enough margin in it, and yeah. you know, now we've done that, we're not afraid. Just we're looking at, repeat, yeah. yeah. Well, we're looking in the areas we want to do. We're now looking at how do we, how do we further that in yeah. different areas, yeah. source properties and things like that. You know, which yeah. obviously being friends with yourself, obviously <laughs> you've got some knowledge on that. So it's 
you've just got to have a go, haven't you? Yeah. And I think as long as you, yeah, you have a go. You, you know, the mistakes we made in the first property, we're not making in the second or mm. the third or the fourth. Mm. We're buying some that are just ready. Like there's one like a paint ready to let again. So you learn by your mistakes, but. I think that's absolutely critical to this. So you, you had the big business, it didn't go to plan, but you've learned from the mistakes. Your, your consultancy, you, you, you know, the recruitment business are learning from that. Um, I think you said earlier on, you have to have almost made some mistakes in order to pass on mm-hmm. your, inf- your your knowledge and experience to other people. Yeah. Said it, don't do it. It's so much easier to learn from other mistakes than your own. But I do believe that you have to make mistakes. You do. And I'm, there's, I, I sit on the fence with this, if you can sit on the fence, is... People always say you can't be a good business coach or a good mentor if you've never had a business. And I get their views on that because mm. there's a lot of underlying mental health issues and things like that. All the feelings and everything that that, that a business owner goes through, you can pass on because yeah. you've done that. But also, there's the other side where you can read a lot, all the theories, listen to all the podcasts, watch all the YouTube videos, yeah. and still pass on all of that knowledge. We, you know, We had a chat earlier on before the, the kind of the mics went on about all of the things you've done and how you've learned a lot from the different books yeah. you've read. Yeah. You know, not necessarily you've 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 actually done it, but no, no. other people yeah. have and yeah. you, you if you read them, if you read enough books or you learn. Yeah, you do. And I'm I, that's a big advocate of you've got to be willing to learn mm. and put yourself out there mm. and that's success will come, hopefully. Well Dave it's been absolutely fantastic. Thank, Thank you, you very much. once again for being incredibly open and honest about a very difficult subject. I think mental health is something that we need to all take incredibly serious. And um, things that came up for me is is that recognise it, um, don't keep quiet, talk to somebody about it, get as much help as you possibly can. And there's more help out there than ever now. You know, the, the mental health charity Mind, you know, your doctor will help you, they'll, they'll refer you to, you know, so you don't have to pay for it. If you haven't got the money mm. to pay for it, there's enough. There's free. There's, yeah. there's YouTube videos out there on mindfulness, mental health apps on your phone. Mm. Meditation classes are probably in your local leisure centre as well if you go yeah. looking for them. So there's a, there is enough help out there and enough people willing to give free help out there to and don't be afraid and I think the more people connect on that the more people look at that the, the better you know we'll all become really great Dave thanks again mate thank Appreciate you very much that. see you now